But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this, this is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> I I hate it when this happens. Okay. This is did you see the story? Uh, which, which one are we talking the about? The first one on the list here. It says okay. uh, it says uh, uh, a Florida pilot says passenger fell into the ocean. Yeah, I hate when that happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, I, this, we shouldn't shouldn't make light of it. I, I guess. Well, we it's certainly kind of be an affront to me about my flying skills if somebody was in the middle of a flight, open well, the door you, and say, "I'm out of here." But you just open windows, see, so it's not that big a deal. You can't, oh, yeah. you can't fall out through the window. Yeah, right. Storm window, anyway. So this is a uh, – <clears throat> Jeb, you're absolutely right. Someone died here, and we shouldn't make jokes about that. But it, but it's a bizarre circumstance, it, it, very, it very strange situation. Um, this is from uh, the uh, AP.org website, the Associated Press, I believe that is. Um, and uh, this is a story from uh, what? Yesterday? Just, just, yesterday. just yesterday. There are a couple of updates to this. Go ahead. And I'm going to read this one, and then I'm going to ask you what the updates are. Um, um, uh, Dateline Miami. Rescue crews searched an area southeast of Miami after a pilot reported the, to the FAA that a passenger fell out of his small plane into the ocean on Thursday. FAA spokesperson Kathleen Bergen says the call came at 1.30 p.m. Pi- I'm, kind of, I'm kind of summarizing now. Pilot of a Piper PA-46... Um, the plane was flying at about 2,000 feet when the call came in, she said. Um, they're, they're searching. Uh, according to the website, the uh, unidentified pilot calmly radioed Mayday, 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 and told the air traffic controller the door was ajar. I have a door ajar and a passenger that fell down. I'm six miles from Tamiani. Um, so, so the person apparently... Man, oh man! What's the follow-up? What what more have you heard about this story? Well, the search continued today, apparently, uh, and I'm reading from a um, uh, Associated Press article in the Guardian on the Guardian.com, dated today, 4:30 this afternoon. Um, the the uh, search continues. Um, so there's this this story in, from the AP this afternoon in the Guardian Guardian.com uh, that the search continued. Uh, everything that uh, um, Jack just said, there's apparently a, a live ATC net uh, recording of this, uh, and there's a link somewhere on this Guardian article um, to that. Um, let me just zap that to you folks via messaging real quick. Thank you. You should have it. Thank you. It just went <clears throat> whoop. Yep. And... Um, they're, they're, anyway, they're still looking, but they, 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 there's another story later on that uh, has the name of the uh, missing passenger, and there's also a picture of the aircraft. Yeah. The, that's an ABC News local story. I'm going to shoot you that. That I do want to see because I'm not. I don't. I, I don't reckon. Okay. What's a PA forty six? It's a Malibu. That's, that's a Malibu. A Malibu. Yeah, okay. It's a Piper Malibu. Now this has an air stair door aft of the the wing. Yeah. There's no. Um, that's the only door to enter the the cockpit or the cabin. Um, so the guy, uh, okay. whoever this was, and 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 they're saying in this AP, the second AP story, Miami Dade Police Department uh, has identified the victim as 42 year old Ger- Gerardo Nales, I would presume N A L E S of Key Biscayne. Um, and start peeling this onion a little bit more. And this has got to be the airplane. Uh, it's. 
the uh, you can see the six four L six four Lima Delta mm-hmm. as part of the N number. There is no six four Lima Delta, but there's a November one six four Lima Delta, which is a ding 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 two thousand eleven Piper PA forty six three fifty P. Okay, uh, registered to Wings of Flight uh, out of Miami. They're about on the on the Google map. They're about two miles from Tamiami Airport. Mm-hmm. And that's where the plane was apparently was based, and all this occurred just sitting just near there. So that's apparently the aircraft involved. Um, And as I say, they've named the passenger Um, at some point. uh, Yeah, the the uh, the um, Miami Dade Police Department spokeswoman said uh, uh, investigators quote quote investigators have no evidence of foul play. So well, they haven't found the person yet. They haven't. They're not probably not going to either. There was an episode, an event, I should say. It was maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Dave, I think you maybe remember this. Uh, it was a Hewlett-Packard uh, corporate flight, a shuttle flight, as I recall. And I think it was in a dash. I think it was in Twin Otter. And they were somewhere over mountainous part of California or something like that. And this female passenger stood up. Walked to the walked to the aft cabin door, opened it, and jumped out. Yeah, you know that's what I, I keep remember picturing. that. Yeah, I, I don't remember. And, you know, if that's also an air stair. That's also an air stair. It's an aft cabin thing. Um, I think it was an HP employee. I don't know. Let me Google this. Yeah, I have to admit that as I was as you were describing the circumstances, and I was kind of reading this this story more carefully. That's the image. The thing that keeps coming to mind is that it was an intentional thing, and that. Uh, um, Here, here's an article in the LA Times. Hang on a second. Well, um, uh, December 17, 2000. Uh, authorities say a Hewlett Packard employee was depressed before she plunged from a shuttle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, it, it's happened before with the punchline. Well, yeah, and 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 given that they know the name of the uh, person who who fell, they can do some research mm-hmm. and discover mm-hmm. whether there's any 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 information suggesting that. The, yeah. the same kind of thing happened here. Well, it's uh, there's there's a you know I read some of the comments below a New York Daily News story that I found. Uh, you know, one of the one of the uh, comments was, well, the, the, guy, the pilot sounded funny. You know, they should be investigating to see who pushed him. Might whether somebody might have pushed him. Like first off, uh, the the pilot was focused on the door being open and not the person who fell out. Well, I got bad news for the person who put that comment up there. If it was me in my airplane, the the passenger's gone, dude. Now I got a crisis with an open door hanging off the back of my airplane. Right. I got to land it. Yeah, uh, yeah I'm I, alone in the airplane. Uh, we don't know whether it might have gotten damaged with the door coming open. Uh, if the pressurization system right. was on, there shouldn't have been that much differential at two thousand feet, if any. You know, this is not a. This is not one of those Cessna 172 doors that opens and, and just kind of falls in trail. Right. This is a two-part clamshell door. Mm-hmm. And, and the if, upper half pops up. Yeah, and there's there's no procedure for this thing to be open in flight. I'm sure. Right. I wonder what uh, the. I wonder how how the airplane handles with this door that's, open. That's just it. You know, it's got the guy doesn't know either. He doesn't know if there's something has hit the tail. He doesn't know if the damn door is still there. Uh, yeah, I'm going to declare an mayday. I'm going to declare an emergency, and I'm going to get my butt on the ground. Damn straight, because the drag on one side is going to be really different yeah. than the drag on the other, and, and it's going to be noisy. Yep, <laughs> big time. <laughs> but um, yeah, he's he's declaring an emergency. 
on two points. One, he's got a door open. Two, he lost a passenger. So, I, you know, both of them count as an emergency. Yeah. It's also hard to imagine. If, if, in fact, there were only those two people in the airplane, it's hard to imagine that the pilot somehow made this happen. Well, one scrolling down on one of these comments, one of these articles comments section, um, uh, somebody kind of astutely wrote, "Could it could it be the door was ajar when they took off and he went to close it and it sucked him out?" I don't know that it was sucked him out, but it's, it's certainly possible that he, he tripped or yeah. did something wrong and or whatever. But uh, who knows? Yeah, it's crazy. Who knows? Yeah. Well, we'll we'll get some more details. It'll be interesting <laughs> what the NTSB report reads uh, uh, when that comes out. So, but Jeb's hit Jeb's hit on something that I think is really important here, and it's kind of key in the back of my mind. It'd be really hard to do this, but not impossible, out of something like a Cherokee or a one seventy two or one eighty two, just because the to get the door open far enough to jump you. Or fall out, you got to overcome a hell of a lot of pressure. That's not the situation with this door, not by a long shot. Uh, the upper half is loaded with those air pistons that's designed to swing it up and out of your head and hold it there. And having having traveled on a updated Malibu more than a few times, uh, I've closed and opened that door on a number of occasions, and you swing the latch open over that unlocks the top half in place and that puppy pops up Mm -hmm. Uh, it's just loaded that way Uh, then you've got to do a little bit more and the bottom half opens up well it's just designed to fall into place you actually try to keep it from free falling and going bang on the restraints Uh, well if you got all that airflow outside uh, I can't imagine anything not hastening it opening Mm -hmm. well that's and then and then you're going to have your hands full with that big air scoop in the back with those two big pieces of drag generator hanging out in the in the slipstream. Uh, airplane, I would bet, would want to yaw pretty considerably to the yeah. left. Yeah. yeah. I would think. I don't know. There, there, there'd be, uh, um, yeah, some adverse handling characteristics. Oh, yeah. You're going to build up your right leg muscles by the time you get that puppy yeah. off the ground. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I guess. On that note, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm coming to you from uh, UCAP World Headquarters in uh, beautiful uh, Epping, New Hampshire. And uh, I'm here with my two good friends. Uh, Dave Higgins out there. You can talk to us from Wichita, Kansas. How are you doing, David? Uh, I'm doing great. And, and reminding myself of the, 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 the wisdom of never jumping out of a perfectly good airplane without a parachute. Well, and that's a story that's coming up, by the way, in a little bit. Stay tuned. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, uh, that's a crazy story. I, I don't even know what to begin to make of that. Yeah, you know? yeah. Uh, David, what's going on in your world? Anything fun? Uh, well, just wading through some of the, the month in, month out work chores, uh, starting to look ahead at work for next year, uh, planning to get the, uh, to get out to the airport tomorrow for a little while, just because it's going to be such a damn nice day. Oh, it was beautiful here today. It was like 60, 60 degrees up here in, uh, in New Hampshire today. Yeah. And, we may uh, hit seventies tomorrow here. Yeah. So on the other hand, we've had ice on the lake every morning for the last couple of days. So, uh, it's, it's definitely that time of year where it's kind of like Indian summer is going between freezing and, and, uh, and that means get out your martini glass early. Yeah, that's right. And also here with me is uh, Jeb Burnside talking to us from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. How are you doing, Jeb? 
I'm doing well. Doing yeah. well. Uh, um, Ice on the pond down there? No. Yeah, just a little frost on the pumpkin. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> what, you threw a cube out in the water? Yeah, that's right. Uh, no, it's actually been kind of cool. Uh, I had to go out last night wearing a, wearing a blazer, wearing a coat, uh, just because uh, it was going to be windy where I was at, and it was going to be chilly, and it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been kind of overcast, high overcast um, today, and a little bit of rain. Um, but I've had some workmen here doing some stuff on the house. So there's, uh, you know, all that's done now, thankfully. But, uh, so it's been a busy week. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, what else is going on here? We had another story here. What was it? Yeah, we, well, there's a list. I, there's a list. I'm glad there's a list. But, uh, well, it, it, the only, the only final thing on this, this, uh, uh, passenger falling out of the, yeah. out of the Malibu thing, aircraft obviously wasn't pressurized. Uh, how, why obviously? Well, I don't know, Dave. How does, it, how does that door? I mean, this is my question. Go ahead. At, at two thousand feet, I don't guess it'd make that much of a difference. But right. can that door be open when the aircraft pressurized? Yeah, actually, that one can. Okay. So that uh, one, the, the air pressure, the internal air pressure doesn't doesn't lock that you know press that door shut. Huh? No, there's uh, there's there's some a bladder on it, but if there's enough internal pressure, you can overcome that. There's an air mm-hmm. seal, but there's enough internal pressure differential with what's outside, and you know the system on late model Malibus and and Mirages. Uh, is and meridians basically a set it and forget it kind of system, mm-hmm. uh, and you can pretty much leave it alone from one flight to the next because it doesn't start to pump things up until you, generally you're above six or eight thousand feet. Right. Uh, so at that low altitude, even if it was on, the the biggest part of any pressure differential would have been this vacuum created by the airflow going over the two door pieces. Right. Yeah. Uh, so. Um. Let's see now. Oh, so we talked about this last episode, and yeah. I, I guess that you guys, it, it's official now. Right. Um, the uh, FAA has uh, said it's okay for the airlines to approve the use of uh, personal electronic devices during takeoff and landing. And uh, you guys clearly think this is the end of civilization as we know it. <laughs> no, no. no. <laughs> definitely, no, not- definitely going to be a reduction in the peace and quiet on some of these flights. Yeah, that's that's for sure. Well, okay, why, David? Well, what's what 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 about these things is noisy? Nobody. <laughs> go ahead. Well, when. <laughs> When you've got people firing up the devices, turning off the devices, uh, there's this kind of moment of calm there between takeoff and 10,000 feet and 10,000 feet and landing uh, where you don't have the lights shining, you don't have the screen displays lighting up the room, uh, and you don't have people trying to sneak in a phone call. Uh, and talking next to you, two seats over. When, when well, that, that's clearly we, not even. But no one is saying. But no one is that. saying that you're allowed to leave your phone. You know, you got to put it in airplane mode. You got to turn off the radios in these devices. That's that's still the case, I believe, isn't it? That's still the case, but still, yeah, yeah. Now you've got a situation but, where can you tell the difference between somebody that's just got it on playing the music player and which one's actually talking on the hands free while your back is turned they're they're well, talking to nobody <laughs> that's pretty yeah. obvious to me jeb go ahead i i got to think too that given the average intelligence level of people who use cell phones that half of them are are not in airplane mode to begin with thank you uh, 
uh, um, I, I just, you know, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not logical that all cell phones aboard an airplane would be all in airplane mode or, or tablets or anything else. It's just not logical. Um, there's always going to be somebody who forgets to turn off, put it into airplane mode. So the punchline to me is, all right, you know, they're going to give this a shot. Um, and crews are going to be extra cautious to look for anomalies and things like that. But at the end of the day, it's still going to be up to the carriers and the pilots. Um, there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to, to allow the, the devices to be used. Um, I will say this. Today's devices, those what we think of as you know, within the last two or three years, smartphones, et cetera, are a lot less noisy than some earlier products, earlier portable electronics that were, let's say, mostly analog, portable yeah. televisions, Walkman, uh, Discman, things like that. Um, that having been said, they're still noisy. They're still, they're still transmitting. If they're not transmitting a, a Wi-Fi signal or Bluetooth or, or something else, um, just the, uh, the RF given off by the, the chips and everything else working within the device um, is, is a concern to me. But hey, you know, we'll see. Well, I, I, my larger worry, you know, the 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 peace and serenity of having all of them off, the, where it's obvious if somebody's trying to sneak in a phone call when they're all supposed to be off, okay, and we've seen that occur on airline flights, is uh, that 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 worry about the law of unintended consequences. Right. Uh, you know, the the onus has been kind of put on the back of the avionics. OEMs to make sure that their equipment is not subject to interference from these different devices uh, that people carry around. And I'm kind of like, wow, that's illogical on one hand and completely illogical on another. On one hand, well, you focus on making the compliance uh, role fall on the smallest number of people as possible. That would be the avionics companies as opposed to the consumer electronic device makers uh, who, you know, update stuff, as you guys well know, update stuff at a pace designed to keep people hopping from new device to new device ahead of their planned expiration dates for the rest of their lives, where avionics stuff doesn't quite advance that quickly. Mm-hmm. But it's that rapid pace of change and the advance of technology for the personal electronic devices themselves that gives me the biggest worry. Because without them being held to anything more than FCC standards and whatever the Canadians impose, uh, we really don't have any way of knowing when the saturation, when the numbers of devices being used and their cumulative RRF and maybe the computer language they're using finally cracks a code that nobody's checked out yet. And it'll be damn hard to tell in the aftermath that it was a mass of PEDs that contributed to what brought down the airplane. Mm-hmm. It'd be like icing on an airplane causing an accident. You can suspect it, but you can generally never prove it unless the airplane happens to crash into an icy field and all the ice stays on the surfaces. Then that just doesn't happen. Yeah. Ten hut! The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast are appearing as private individuals. 
Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. What are you looking at? Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always remember your training, consider your situation, and fly the aircraft. Now drop and give me 20. Down, what? Down. All right, we're back. I don't know whether we're gonna what we're gonna do with that because we just had a really interesting conversation during the break, and uh, who knows, it might turn into some sort of bonus content that would appear on someplace on the website. Well, again, we're you know let's let's not just just not tell the humane society. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's just yeah okay. We'll have to full well, yeah okay. It wasn't us having this conversation. It was two other three other people. It sounded like yeah, us. Yeah, it was it was yeah. There's a lot of alter egos out there. Yeah, that's right. That's right. David, what's this story here? So the Smothers Brothers, the legendary uh, comedy team, um, particularly uh, uh, who were a huge huge deal back in the '60s and kind of have continued over the years. Um, who are very nearly one of those, you know, they're still alive kind of acts, you know, but they clearly are alive. They appeared on on, uh, on the late, 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 late show, whatever it's called, uh, the Craig Ferguson show. And you're telling us that they did a routine that had to do with being a pilot? What, what was this all about? Yeah, and, and I always have trouble remembering which brother is which. I can tell I you believe. that. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, the, the 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 sort of goofy one is Tommy, and the straight one is is Dick. Is Dick. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, thank you for that because uh, Tommy, they appear on this uh, comedy show hosted by the Scotsman, uh, Craig Ferguson. Right, named Craig Ferguson. He's a very funny guy on his own, uh, but the whole bit he introduces the Smothers Brothers. As having been kicked off CBS back in the late sixties for his <laughs> yeah, political yeah. stuff that they did, he was kind of tickled by that. He introduces that them, and Tommy comes on and starts talking about how much he loves flying, how he flied, how he flew himself down to uh, Van Nuys to do the show that night. Yeah, in L.A. And Dick starts going off about, no, no, you're not a pilot. Oh, yes, I am. I flew here today. No, you didn't. We rode down together. Uh. Well, as it turns out, they both died in 1969, Tommy says, because somebody wasn't a pilot. It's just a funny, funny bit. <laughs> okay. So, and so that's it reminded about it. me of times when I've been at an air show or a, a fly-in or an event where at one of the social occasions, there was somebody trying to bluff their way through a conversation and invariably getting caught. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're gonna, and it to was watch. always funniest watching them get caught when it was a woman they were trying to impress. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and well. the and the women knew better. You know, there, there I was over the Rocky Mountains at night, <laughs> lost one engine. I'm icing up. The electrical system fails. What happened? Well, I, I died. <laughs> yeah, plane crashed. Uh, nobody got out alive. That's right. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, there I was. I was in this 150. We crashed into a cemetery, and authorities said 52 people died. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll watch this. Yeah, we'll put a link in the show notes. Everyone can can watch the Smothers Brothers talk about flying or not, as the case may be. And, uh, um, it it, it kind of struck me because since Craig Ferguson is an active pilot, mm-hmm. uh, he started out with a 182, and I'm not sure if he's still flying that or has moved up to something a little more uh, uh, speedy. But... It, it, the, the whole bit, I think, was written around him because the Smothers Brothers were the 
banquet act at an NBAA convention several years ago. Mm -hmm. And their whole bit was written around appearing at a business aviation convention. And, uh, you know, the use of all the airplanes and the things that people can get away with. And then they went into something more familiar, Yo-Yo Man, which is really a hoot. So enjoy this. Give yourself a few minutes. It's uh, certainly not brain challenging, but it is fun. Yeah. On a completely different note here. um, So here's a story that, uh, I mean, this is a scary story when all I did was read the headline and, and, and the lead paragraph. Um, and then we discovered there's video here. Um, so a pair of skydiving planes that oh, were geez. flying in something like formation or nearby each other, <laughs> getting ready to drop their jumpers. And uh, and they had a midair just as the jumpers were getting ready to go out. And uh, and miraculously, gl- gladly, the happily, the uh, everybody survived. Um, all the jumpers managed to get away from the airplanes. The pilot of the one aircraft that was badly damaged and was not flyable was able to jump and was wearing a uh, a reserve chute of some sort. And the uh, pilot of the other plane um, was not as badly damaged, um, and he was able to land it. So uh, everybody survived. Did you guys watch these videos? Yeah. Man, oh, man. Yeah. I've seen several, including some that was in pre-use on uh, YouTube before NBC showed up uh, most of the uh, the video. Yeah, well, I mean, this is another case where you know everything's got a camera on it these days. Right. And uh, the, the well, these these skydivers were apparently preparing to do some sort of formation. You know, they were going to do a jump and free fall and make a circle or whatever they were. going to Oh yeah, do. they were going out for a relative right. work. So they jump. were all cameraed up. I mean, they were wearing ha- cameras on their helmets and on their chests and on whatever. And so. So there was a fair amount of footage of this, but uh, it's pretty disturbing. The, the the image that I kept seeing over and over again on NBC showed one of the – so it was probably maybe like the third or fourth jumper getting ready to get out of this airplane. And you could see the first two climbing out onto the strut and out onto the, uh, um, you know, the step out there. And, and, and you could see sort of below and slightly off to the side, you can see the other aircraft. And all of a sudden, the two closed on each other vertically. And uh, and the higher the one above, they basically collided bottom to top, and uh, it's called a stall. Well, you think that's what it was? It didn't necessarily appear to me to be a yeah. stall, but the guy, the guy. First of all, who designed that formation? I'd like to have a chat. Yeah, with. I know something went really wrong. With yeah, the formation. yeah, but but yeah. you never you never put one aircraft on top of the other one like that. Um, and that's what happened. They got too slow as they were getting ready. The, the, the one on top, above the other one, I should say, uh, got too slow and probably got into an incipient stall. He lost, he lost altitude control at, at a minimum, okay? Well, and came smacking down on top of yeah, the other Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that certainly could be the problem, uh, although, I mean, maybe I need to watch it more carefully because the the the... the Angles of view are such that you don't know for sure whether the top, a higher plane was going down or was the lower plane coming up. I mean, I, I, do you, I, are you clear I, I, that it was the upper plane descending? No, all things considered. Uh, but it's not logical that the uh, the lower uh, airplane would be climbing. Yeah, I mean, I, I, well, it's not logical that the lower airplane would have climbed at such a quick right. rate yeah. without right. a visible pitch change. Uh, and that's the other reason I, I wonder about the stall uh, uh, explanation, because I, I didn't notice the kind of pitch change that I would have expected if the upper plane, the plane that we were seeing well, from. It, it wasn't, it wasn't a full get, stall. When you, get, yeah. 
we we followed past accidents where one airplane got too close directly above another and the turbulence coming off the propellers and around the fuselage and all of a sudden the airflow underneath the higher airplane wasn't sufficient to keep them in the position they were in and it's like the bottom was, fell out from under them and they drop okay. uh, this happened with a Bonanza circling around and above the tail of a C-47 DC-3 that had been converted to BT-6s uh, up in Wisconsin. Uh, old man Bassler of Bassler Aviation there at Oshkosh was piloting the Bonanza on a photo shoot and kind of went, instead of separating from formation and using a, a, a more established maneuver to reposition, he just kind of moved from one side directly over the airplane to the other. And as he was over the, 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 uh, the, the DC-3, the bottom fell out and the airplane, the, the Bonanza, dropped into and essentially cut off the tail of the DC-3 mm-hmm. and did enough damage to itself that both of them wound up in a field and everybody died. Yeah. Yeah. Now, this isn't new science by a large, by, by, by a large margin. This isn't new science. Uh, I agree with Jeb. I think the, the, the guy got too close, too slow, and in the wrong spot. And when the bottom fell out, uh, there wasn't really enough time there for the engine to spool yeah. up and get himself out of it. And he couldn't see that lower airplane at that that's, point anyway. It, that's that's the whole punchline to me is it was a bad formation to begin with. Right. Yeah. And there's no reason that uh, they should have been in a situation where one pilot could not see the other airplane. Well, and I, you would imagine that neither one of them saw the other. And neither one of them probably saw each other. And, and I'm sure all of this was a huge surprise to the guy in the left seat of the, the, the uh, lower oh, altitude yeah. airplane. That lower airplane? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's the one that broke up. That's the, that's one, the one that the, broke the wing, up. The wing peeled off. And he that's the, the guys. That, you and know, the wing peeled really, off immediately. Immediately. Very, very immediately, quickly. It was yeah. immediate. So he, they must have hit hard. Yeah. And, uh, oh, he did hit hard, and, and he and the hit to, to the, to the yeah. left of center line, yeah. which just seemed to overload the hell out of that right wing. Yeah, yeah that, that strut just took that right wing right off. But that's the other thing. See, there's no way getting <clears throat> slowing and getting ready for a jump like that, there's no way the lower airplane would have ascended, could have ascended. Yeah, no, I think that I, quick. I, I, I'm <laughs> buying it, yeah. I, 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 all, I, all this happened very quickly. And I kind of understand, having been around some of this years ago, uh, what, what the pilots were shooting for. They were shooting for putting – and there was another jump airplane in this, by the way. A third uh, one? Yeah, but it wasn't involved in the collision. Right. But in, in their plans for their relative work, there was another full airplane of jumpers that oh. was going to be part of this. I hadn't heard that, yeah. Well, that's where some of the other footage came from. Okay, yeah. The footage that wasn't from people in those two airplanes came from that third jump plane, uh, the jumpers in there. Uh, They wanted to be in as close a proximity to one another as possible and then put everybody out on cue. Yeah, well. How how well that The amount of time and altitude lost for them to get together would be minimized. Right. But in no case do you ever get in a position where you, you can't see all the other airplanes. Somebody yeah. has to be able to see everybody. Right. Right. 
Anyways, happily, uh, everybody survived. Miraculously, everybody survived. And uh, there's some pretty amazing footage of it. So, uh, And you know what the really fun yeah. news is about the footage? There's fun, the okay. That, What's the, the fun news about the footage, NBC? Say, Yeah. The deal that they made with NBC yeah. and some, some sympathetic donors have just about covered the cost of replacing the lost airplane and fixing the damaged one. Oh well, really? I I yeah okay. I guess that's yeah. Good. I mean, the, uh, the 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 jump zone. I mean, think about it. How much of a business year can a drop zone that far north yeah. have in any given year? And to have two out of its three airplanes uh, taken out of uh, service. Uh, and they had liability insurance, but they didn't really have haul coverage mm-hmm. because of what the premiums would be for each one of those jump airplanes doing this kind of work. So they covered their butts for liability. And that's a minimum thing you've got to do when you're in, in any business these days. But the haul losses are on them. Yeah. Well, thanks to the fairly substantial payment NBC made to the jumpers that supplied the footage for their exclusive use and some helpful donors. Uh, the last I read, they were about 75 or 80 percent the way toward covering the cost, uh, the expense of replacing one jump plane and repairing the one that landed. Hmm. And to that, I say, you know, hoorah. Bravo Good for them. Yeah. Cool. Cool. David, what is the uh, Small Airplane Revitalization Act? <laughs> it's so new, we don't know about it yet. Okay, earlier this year or late last year, an aviation rulemaking committee uh, that was formed several years ago to find ways to streamline Part 23 certification, eliminate redundant or useless stuff, uh, and make it quicker and cheaper, they issued a report uh, recommending, I think it was about 150 changes, corrections, regulatory eliminations, uh, new regulation that would circumvent old, out-of-date stuff, uh, that the FAA undertake doing these 150 things, and that would result in a streamlined, lower-cost, certification process for Part 23 airplanes. Several members of Congress, my own uh, Mike Pompeo, our Wichita, Kansas, and three other lawmakers uh, basically wrote legislation designed to mandate the FAA take up all those changes, make them effective by the end of 2015. Uh, Earlier this week, the House passed the amended Senate version, agreed to the Senate version, that's a remarkable thing, and passed it, uh, I think, with no negative votes. Which and House is on a, this? The House of Representatives. Yeah, it was introduced of, there. Of, of which, which state? Of what country? Of what country? <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I, I, I'm just, you know, uh, David, my goodness. It was introduced in the House. Uh, passed out pretty quickly and, and, and actually got committee hearings because there were two Democrats and two Republicans that were primary sponsors, and the introducing lawmaker was Mike Pompeo, the representative from here in Wichita. Uh, and that's all we'll say about that. Uh, <laughs> the Senate 
The Senate took it up, uh, made some technical corrections and a couple of wise changes, uh, sent it back to the House. The House members agreed to those technical corrections and small changes and passed it out uh, this week. And now it goes to the White House, where I would expect uh, President Obama will sign the sucker into law, because so far, he's pretty much signed everything into a law that got a bipartisan passage from uh, this Congress and the one before. So, yeah, I'm still a little leery of what some of the unintended consequences could be of forcing the FAA to take this many changes, actions, and regulatory updates in such a short period of time. But I'm going to keep an open mind and say maybe this time Congress will not set us down a path where we're doing more damage than good, like with the flight training changes that they imposed on uh, the FAA to become a commercial pilot and fly right seat on a regional airliner. Right. Uh, I'm not sure that that's helpful. I'm not sure that it's going to gain us anything because uh, what we'll wind up with is a lot of guys that have taken a lot of extra time and money to get a lot of non-applicable experience because they can't get the experience that they need actually doing the job right now but you're we'll talking see. right and now you're talking about another law altogether right this this is not another the, law altogether yeah, that right. one's the, the 2012 general aviation get us back on our feet and back in business act and strangely enough, that's actually the name of the bill. Um, no, it's not. Uh, so, all right. Well, cool. I guess I, you know, I think the part that's left both Jeb and I sitting here with our mouths, you know, our jaws agape or whatever the right term would be, is is that the U.S. Congress actually passed something that's got a chance of being a good idea. My goodness, it's just no, that's it, unclear. It, it, it's it's happened in other instances. Yeah. I know. Uh, and the funny thing is, most of the time it's happened, it's make, made me shudder because I've always wondered what's slipped through unnoticed. Right. Jeb, anything to keep an open mind? Thoughts? No, I, I guess um, I'm, I'm kind of safety wired into the uh, if it's good for somebody and it gets through the Congress this quickly and with this little controversy and this little notice. It's probably not good for me. <laughs> I, I I just you know I just can't get over that. So I I don't know what this this law does. I know it 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 um, as David correctly points out puts a, the the statutory um, force of law on a lot of uh, proposals and planning that uh, some some FAA committees had done and i presume that the FAA is foursquare in favor of this or they wouldn't uh, or they would have been pitching a fit and and uh, there would be a lot more controversy so i i what this what those recommendations uh on certification for example would do um it's designed to make it cheaper and and quicker i presume for companies to certify new aircraft and new products. I, you know, I support that, too. <sighs> somewhere there's a corner being cut, and I can't figure out where it is. Yeah, Somebody somewhere well. is making out, and I can't figure out where it is. The best I can come up with is that without a whole lot more research and, and maybe a, a, um, a, a deep throat or two, is that they're trying to 
broadly standardize uh, the manufacturer, uh, the manufacturer and installation of various products, not unlike what has been done um, or, or what the original intent to do with uh, LSA, with light sport aircraft was. Man, you win the prize. Okay. Really? And if, if, that's, if that's the case then that's a good thing on several levels. It, it certainly bears watching on other levels. But I, I see that kind of uh, standardization and simplification that was applied to LSA now being uh, uh, applied by statute to Part 23 and, and perhaps 25. Uh, I don't know about 25 yet, uh, but you know, maybe give under it, a certain, give it, a certain give weight it class. Yeah, give, give it time. It, but give I, it time. That's, that's the best interpretation I have. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my my biggest skepticism is probably pivots on this one point uh, that Congress can mandate and legislate, but it's still up to the FAA to, to write the regs, and it's still going to be up to the FAA to interpret. And inertia is an amazing power. Uh, so I'm I'm, I'm kind of waiting to see how this plays out. We've seen in the LSA end of it, for example, that some of it worked out exactly as hoped, and some of it's proven to be more expensive than yeah. anybody ever imagined. Yeah, I, uh, I, I just I, I I go back to to Sherlock Holmes and the dog that didn't bark. Yeah. Oh, and that's good, dude. There, there's nobody who's really who's whose ox is being gored by this. No one's really opposing this. No one's really talking the other side of this. So I have to come to the conclusion that a lot of the people uh, involved in the industry really wanted this, and then I have to figure out why. And I don't know the answer to that last well, question. Well, it, it, Jeb, to back up what you're talking about, I've been questioning whether anybody's looking at the unintended consequences of right. this since right. this law was first introduced based right. on the past history of legislating FAA rule changes. Right, exactly. Uh, and what which, I've got which back with gone, Which has not gone swimmingly in all cases, let's just put it that way. No, not by a long shot. And what I've gotten back is kind of a, dude, don't make waves, let's get this through. Yeah. Because yeah. how can you be opposed to mom, apple pie, and the right. American flag? Right, right. And I said, if it's going to fly my big butt, I, 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 wanted, I want more assurance than mom, apple pie, and the American flag. And I'm with nobody doing anything but, oh, yeah, we need this, let's all get behind it. And nobody going, yeah, but. Yeah, it's it's a trust me, this will be fine. Don't don't worry about it, kind of thing. And and um, yeah, that always makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, we're going to wind up being then you know the curmudgeon flies in the chicken soup. And uh, please prove us wrong. Yeah. Please, yeah, yeah. Please prove uh, us to be you know old hens. Prove us to be worried about something that can't possibly happen. You do that. Man, we, you know, it, it will so bring down the cost right. of flying that Part 23 airplanes should be as cheap as LSAs. Yeah. Now, now let's, you know, let's think about a couple of, of other offshoots from this while we're, while we're thinking. Obviously, they're talking about certification rules. That typically, certification rules apply to new designs, new aircraft, new, new products, new ways to install various other kinds of products. Um, great. That's wonderful. Can we make this retroactive? 
can we also maybe <laughs> simplify um, some some rules that currently apply to Part 23 airplanes and their operation? Um, That's supposed we're, to be while, part of it. All right. All right. That's supposed to be part of it. Uh, I, I'm going to take my grandmother's position. Uh, you know, and she liked to say she was born in Missouri. She wasn't. She was born in Kansas. But she liked to say, I'm from Missouri. Show me. Yeah. All right. Okay. Show me. We here at the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. For information on how you can make a donation to this podcast, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. It doesn't need to be very much. Just 10 or $15 over the span of a year is a big help. Thank you. David, you called our attention to this uh, first flight. First of all, what, so what is this aircraft? The, uh, the, uh, let me find that video here. Where are we? First flight, Aviation Week, uh, Sierra Nevada Corp. Corporation uh, released video of a one-minute test drop of its Dream Chaser prototype. Uh, what is the Dream Chaser, anyways? Is this some sort of emergency reentry vehicle or something like that for, for, the, for the space station or something? Actually, I think it's a new uh, what space truck shuttle. Yeah, right. Not, okay, of the old vein, not in the pickup truck vein of the old shuttle, but a, a new shuttle prototype to get people up to the International Space Station right. and put uh, put people in small amount of cargo up there and bring it back again. Uh, so it has some similarities to the now retired space shuttle. Uh, but it's shorter, it's lighter, it's really geared right. more to a people carrier. Yeah, very, very reminiscent of uh, of uh, Spaceship One and uh, the, that style. Um, so anyways, there's a video here, and the video is of a, uh, a drop test. They uh, they hooked it onto uh, one of these Ericsson air crane helicopters and lifted it uh, way up into the air, apparently 12,000, it says 12,500 feet, I guess that sounds about right. Um, I'm surprised a helicopter can hover that high. Um, anyways, they lifted it way up in the air, and then they dropped it, and it uh, fell for a little bit, and then got airspeed, and glided down to the runway, and uh, some interesting video from outside and from inside the cockpit. And uh, the the fun part is that um, as it's making on short approach, uh, short final rather, um, it, it's... Uh, the gear is supposed to come down. We saw always saw the every time I ever saw the shuttle land. All right, they wait until the very last second to drop the gear for I'm sure for drag reasons. And every single time I'd wait for that to happen, and I'd just say, "Okay, three gear, three gear, three gear, three greens, three greens, three greens." And it always did. I mean, we always got the gear on the shuttle. Well, on this one, uh, it came time for the gear to drop, and only two of the three gear dropped. One got stuck. And uh, yeah, and that's one of those cases where two out of three is bad. Yeah, but they but they chipped us, man. They chipped us because that's where they ended the video. All right, we saw it coming in on final. Right, we right. saw the two two gear come down. All right, and and uh, the the announcer is like trying to spin this very very you know it's like well and we did have a little snafu at the end you know it was a really great test and we got all the data we were looking for and everything was great and obviously we had a little problem at the end and that's where they ended the video just as the things about ready to touch. <laughs> down i wanted to see what was going to happen and they ended the video they cheated us we got chipped that well, a friend of, friend of mine that saw this uh video and 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 something shot from a different angle yeah uh, you know he he got real hyper no man 
Not one out of three, two out of three. The nose gear didn't come down. It looked that way to me too. And it's like, dude, it's a skid. Yeah, it's not a wheel on the nose. That's I did. It's not I read, a wheel on the nose. There never was a wheel on the yeah. nose. Because it did look wrong, but then I read the story, and the story explains. Yeah, just what you said that it was a skid on the nose, and it's wheels well, on it, the mains. It, it, and, you you put a skid on the nose instead of a wheel, and you, you can get away with much smaller brakes and, and almost no brakes at all if mm-hmm. you want. I would imagine. Yeah. So yeah, there's a lot of drag in that skid. And anyways. it's designed to wear away. So, yeah. you know, no biggie. So, anyways. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you. It's like, oh, come on, dude. Yeah, I know. That was going to be the fun part. <laughs> they didn't show us the best part of the video. I, I guess I'm not surprised, but uh, still. What, what struck me in contrast, too, between this and the, uh, the uh, Enterprise prototypes that NASA dropped in unmanned flight tests early on was the... Uh, the fact that the unmanned flight tests of the original shuttle prototypes had significant forward airspeed when they were detached from their carrier, and uh, this puppy had none. Yeah, they just dropped it. And I'm not sure about just that. Just dropped it. I'm not sure about that. What's they didn't that, have Jim? significant. They didn't have significant airspeed, but this helicopter wasn't hovering at twelve five. It was. It was in forward motion. You would think, Jeb. I agree with that. Yeah, because this that's that's pretty high up for these this thing to be hovering, but. Uh, Oh, it, I, I love I the fuzzy hover, dice. Though. I think hover out of ground effect on that helicopter is even higher than twelve five. Yeah, it could be. I don't know, Jeb. Oh. I agree. The dice, the fuzzy dice hanging in the cockpit was cool. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Didn't work, but they were cool. Anyways, cool video, but we got cheated out of the best part. Oh well, maybe there's some maybe there's some some pirate video of it someplace. Probably not, but uh, you know, where would they, where did they do this? Where was this landing? This wasn't Mojave, was it? That's a good question. Uh, I thought it was, but does it say? I don't remember now. Let's have another Edwards. look. Edwards. Edwards. Okay, so there was there was no unsecured cameras on the on the ramp. <laughs> yeah, it was Mojave. Yeah. Wait, wait, which Edwards or Mojave? Well, it's the Mojave Desert. Yes. Edwards Air Force Base is part of the Mojave Desert. Yeah, right. But, but it wasn't at Mojave Airport. That's what I'm asking. Is yeah. the, the difference oh, okay. is that if this landing, if this this two gear two gear landing happened at Mojave Airport, the chances are there could have been an unsecured camera on the yeah, ramp. And it, we, was, could, it was a, what they would have called in 1948 Muroc Dry Lake Bed. Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, all right. You can look it up in the right stuff. It's back in circulation again. So here's another I hate it when this happens story. Um, and uh, and this one I think we can take the people to task. First of all, everybody survived, so that's okay. This is the uh, the paraglider and the tourist that got lost inside the clouds. Did you watch right. this video? This is actually a little disturbing. All right, so it's a uh, sort of a tandem paraglider thing, you know, where the uh, the experienced pilot and the and the tourist, the the passenger, are kind of strapped together front to back, uh, spooning, so to speak, and uh, the uh, and they launch and they're they're you know soaring or flying or whatever they're doing and getting their tourist flight, and you could see that it was kind of a low overcast kind of a. Uh, uh, there were clouds in the area thing, and somehow, some way, this guy wandered into the clouds. And are you freaking kidding me? The mountain they launched off of was occluded. Yeah, and and he got in the clouds and and couldn't find his way out of the clouds. You know, and and you know, if you're to believe the video, um, then they're shooting video of the whole thing, of course, because everything's videoed these days. Um, 
assuming this wasn't all staged, um, the uh, the uh, the po- experienced pilot was like freaking out. He was like convinced they were going to die. They were like praying and 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 I mean it was just uh, it was kind of freaky. And uh, put that whether or not that's real. All right, just watching him fly around and just kind of imagining what it's like. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know whether he's close to the hills. You know, he doesn't know where he's going to come out. And they circled for a while, or, or they they flew for a while. Who knows whether they were circling, and. Uh, um, Wow. I mean, it was just kind of a weird video. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Uh, boy. David, you're the one with experience flying these kinds of, of aircraft. Um, at least, I don't think, Jeb, you have experience. Well, they, they no. panned the camera off at one point and very briefly showed the launch area with a hang glider on the ground. Mm-hmm. And given the conditions... Unless you committed yourself to an out-and-out sled run, I am not going to let this climb, okay? Yeah. I am not going to let the Vario go positive. This is a sled run to the landing field. That's not a day to launch. Not when the overcast is only a couple hundred feet above launch. I mean, geez, you get the least little bit of lift. You're in the clouds. You make 30 seconds of mistake. And now you're completely lost, disoriented, and you no longer know whether where you are is above or below mountaintop. The altimeter that he should be flying with would tell him whether he's gained altitude or not. But he launched from a spot lower than the highest elevation around him. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry. That's that's a, that's that's setting yourself up to run into something hard while you're flying in right, something right. soft. Now, and, and flying into something hard aside, which is obviously a very, very real danger. Sudden but, stops hurt. Trust yeah, no, me. I agree. I agree. But my, my, my sort of other question, though, is what's it like to fly this kind of aircraft without a horizon to refer to? So if I was flying a regular fixed-wing airplane that for some reason didn't have an artificial horizon or, or any of those kinds of instrumentation, and I flew into the clouds, and I was just flying on you know seat of my pants, so to speak, um, you know the 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 truism that I believe is that uh, within within seconds, you know, less than a minute, you're going to be in a spin, um, or at least a bad spiral. How does it work with these kinds of paragliders? Are they are you able to feel enough of what's going on to kind of stay, keep flying? Do you know? What, do you understand the question? Yeah, I do. I do, and this is particularly applicable to paragliders, parachutes. Yeah, that if you just let go of everything, they will stabilize in straight and level within a few seconds. Okay. That doesn't mean that the direction they stabilize in is safe. Yeah, that for sure. But they at least But they're won't. not they're dynamically stable. So they're gonna they're gonna roll out at an attitude and an airspeed that's not a threat to spiral you into the ground like you could do in an airplane. Mm-hmm. Hang gliders are largely the same way, although they can stabilize in a shallow turn, and you wouldn't know it necessarily mm-hmm. because you don't have any pitch or attitude reference. Right. But a variometer will show you that you're going down, and an altimeter will show you that you're going down. Uh, so there, there's some some inherent stability that works in favor of these. Then the question becomes, am I going in a direction that takes me away from terrain? If you are, you know, you're kind of good to go. And if the Vario shows that you're descending, then the big deal is just not descend to the terrain before you can see it. Right. 
is there any chance that this guy was wearing some sort of compass or something? Do they do they do they do that? Yeah, actually, uh, they're not real precise. But but he would have had some instrument that would give him some indication of which way is which. You could get you could get a little directional information off a small portable compass, and then a vertical speed indication off a variometer, and altitude off of a skydiving altimeter or even an aircraft altimeter strapped to your rig. Yeah, yeah. So, Jeb, what are you, your thoughts on this? I, I agree with everything Dave said. I mean, um, the uh, they're lucky, but they're not. It's not like what they were in was going to fall out of the sky. They're lucky they didn't run into something. Right. Um, and you know, controlling the beast and just letting it descend on its own under 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 a canopy, or whatever. Um, that doesn't seem to have been that big a deal. Unlike what would be the case if you were in a fixed gear. I'm sorry, a fixed wing airplane, uh, and you know, you're not rated for instruments and fly into a cloud. Yeah, big difference. And there's another thing to keep in mind here too. They were flying under an overcast layer where whatever changes in layer and might and, and small changes in lift are going to get you in the bottom of the clouds pretty easily. This isn't like being sucked up into a cumulus cloud, uh, into a cumulus nimbus cloud, where you've lost complete control over your vertical speed. You're now on an upward-moving elevator that you can only hope to counter by as much airspeed downward as you can tolerate without exceeding VNE. Uh, that was a fairly stable day that these guys took off on. Right. Uh, you're more at risk in very small puffs of, uh, of up air off the ridge lift and the variation in where the bottom of the cloud layer is because of the terrain. Uh, cloud suck, on the other hand, can happen out over open terrain when you get nimbus clouds working. It can happen in the mountains. That's really unstable conditions, and you got to be out of your freaking mind to even set up when that's what's going on out yeah. there. And weren't right. they along the coast? I mean, that's the other danger is that if they don't fly into the mountains, that maybe while they're in the clouds, they flew out over the water. And uh... Yeah, they, but... You know, if the bottom was several thousand feet above the water to begin with, it's still likely to be several thousand feet above the water when you fly out of it. Then the question becomes, do you have enough glide to get back to shore? That's right. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, right. is it like, are you going to be able and if to get you were back? Launching into the, if you were launching into offshore winds, you will be going downwind, getting back. Yeah, so... Crazy story, um, and uh, check out the video. It's uh, uh, we're looking at a. It's uh, is it a YouTube video? Apparently, it's not a YouTube video. We're looking at it on LiveLeak.com, and uh, uh, take a look at the show notes. And uh, for, you know, or, it just impresses the hell out of me that they've got parachute wings now, with such good lift over drag qualities that you can carry two people and go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that notable? I didn't realize. Uh, it is to me. Uh, you know that that's a parachute. Yeah, it's just a parachute with a different aspect ratio, and the aspect ratio and the lift it generates works so well that it can carry the weight of two people and go upwind. Uh, the fact that you can do that at all on a parachute just impresses the hell out of me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Finally, we've got a. Uh, this is a cool airplane. Is this airplane actually flying here? The Ego E Go aeroplane. Um, 
This is it's in, not flying here in the States yet, but it's flying a, someplace. In the UK, Cambridge. Yeah. Right. Looking at a story on uh, the bbc.co.uk uh, uh, news page, um, uh, Ego Airplane, Aeroplane, A-E-R-O Plane, um, Norfolk test flight for Cambridge Plane, a new type of single-seater airplane capable of flying at 177 kilometers per hour, 110 <laughs> miles per hour, has been given its first public test flight in the skies above Ang East Anglia. Uh, the 50,000-pound, e and that's price, 50,000 pounds, uh, British pounds, um, Ego, uh, created by a company based near Cambridge, is claimed by the manufacturer to be the first new airplane built in the U.K. for years. Um, so there's not very much to this story. Um, I was looking elsewhere for maybe some other information. There's a, there's a Wikipedia page for the Ego um, airplane, and uh, it's a cool-looking design, kind of, you know, uh, very sleek, you know, Mini fighter plane-ish kind of thing. I don't know. That's not a good. Well, it's like a it's like a scaled down, long, uh, very easy. Right. Yeah. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, you know, looks like it might be fun. What? Well, it it's it it meets our LSA requirements. Mm -hmm. So okay. I expect to see it. I expect to see it here in the states probably next year. Yeah. Is this an existing company, uh, Ego Aeroplanes, or is this a new company for this design? I'm wondering. A what, new company for this design. Do we know anything about the people behind it? I just wonder what their track record is like. Um, they don't really have one, uh, but there were a number of other uh, aviation sites that picked up on this story. So there, there should be some other stuff out there. Uh, Avweb, AOPA, uh, I think Zoom, uh, Aero News Network had a little blurb about it. Uh, a friend of mine from the UK sent me this link, mm -hmm. and you know, with this with the sixty-four dollar question, so would you fly that? And it's like, wow, dude, I flew something like that back in the ultralight era, where there was a hole in the bottom so you could put your feet down to stop the airplane. Mm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Barney freaking rubble. <laughs> that, there you go. It, <laughs> yeah, it, right. it, it, it had a Cayuna, had a Cayuna uh, twin cylinder engine in a pusher configuration, a canard wing, uh, but it did. It was not an enclosed cockpit. Right. Uh, you got bugs in your teeth down low. Yeah. Uh, now, but this is a, a heavier airplane by a couple of pounds, more powerful, and goes a hell of a lot faster. 110 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if it could carry 50 pounds of gear, that's that's a nice little personal traveling airplane. Looks like it'd make a nice little drone too. Yeah, <laughs> it would actually. Yeah, right. Um, there's a still picture, an image with the uh, BBC uh, uh, website article that makes it sort of makes you wish there was a video with this. It almost looks like it is from a video. I, there is video. Is there, there is a video? video? Where's their video? I'm, where's the video? On a BBC site. I clicked it. Did and you it click on the picture? I didn't. It didn't do anything. No, it's not doing anything on my computer. That's odd. It it did for me. May have already played. But it's not right now. Yeah. Maybe it already played. Let me re re reload the page, page here. Oh yeah. Okay. Now I. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I know why. Because it's an ad at the beginning. I started There's to play it a while ago, and I stopped it because of the ad. And ah, uh, there you go. So I'll have well, to watch it later. But uh, and for anybody that's curious. There was a single-seat light sport design that do about 105 knots shown at Oshkosh that's got potential, under 100 grand, and 50,000 pounds sterling in today's exchange rate is just short of 81,000 bucks. 
And that's with an electronic flight deck, moving map, the whole bit. So uh, I'm I'm kind of intrigued by this one. Yeah, me too. I want to at the very least I want to see it fly, and you know I'd, I'd consider first flying First item on my list. As soon as I see somebody else fly it in person, my yeah, interest right. rate goes way up. That's right. Okay, I just got through the commercial. Now I'm watching the video here. Right. All right. Okay, that's cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Oh, it's interesting. The wings are longer than they seemed in the uh, the drawing I saw. All right, here we go. He's taking off. This is the lift off. The re- this is a result of a oh, carnal encounter. Yeah, go ahead, this, Jeff, is, I'm sorry. this is the result of a carnal encounter between a very easy and a BD five. <laughs> <It's> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, now those are, those are two of the aircraft I was thinking of. I wasn't quite put going to put it that way, been, but yeah. What did they been drinking? <laughs> yeah. All right. So uh, yeah, that's kind of cool. All right, let's pause this video and I'll come back to it later on. Shout outs. What do we got here? Anything going on? I've got one. I've got an apology shout out, but I'm going to hold it until unless somebody. Else go with good news first. Oh, you're gonna make me go sh- first? Yeah, with an intro like that. Are well, you kidding? Uh, all I want to say is I, I just, you know, and by the time people hear this, I hope it's going to be all fixed. But just to make an apology that the forums are broke. They've been broke for a couple of days now, um, and uh, and I, I've we've had a database problem thing going on with our forums for literally months now, and I've been putting off really fixing it and. Uh, and our ISP in their infinite wisdom decided that it was time for me to stop putting off fixing it. So they broke it for good, and which I'm going to have a talk with our ISP, but that's a whole other story. Anyways, the forums are down right now. They should be back by the time you hear my voice. But uh, I just want to apologize and, uh, and, and urge people to go back and visit the forums if you visited there and, and they were dead. Um, they're, they're back. They're, they're still the great old place that they've been all along. Um, I just, you know... Are, are- the company that does the forums, or I mean, our ISP, do they have any part of the healthcare.gov thing? You never know. I I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I see where you're going with this. Um, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it's it's a whole. I, I think it's. I don't think there is any relationship, but it's the same kind of foolishness. I think, and the same kind of you know wrong mindedness, and and just you know yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah. I'm not happy with our ISP these days. Not happy at all. Yeah. That's my shout-out. Okay. David, you want to talk about this? Uh... Yeah, real quick and dirty. Uh, you know, none of us here and none of us listening, I suspect, remember the golden era of aviation back in the in the late teens and in through the 30s when all sorts of records were being set and new routes being pioneered and marks being made and uh, recently, uh, a uh, lady pilot from uh, the UK, Tracy Curtis Taylor, left from Cape Town, South Africa, flying a Stearman on her way to London to, uh, what's the word I want here, honor, uh, commemorate the uh, uh, 1928 route from South Africa to the UK that was taken by uh, uh, Lady Heath of England, who was the first licensed pilot in England. Lady Mary Heath, she flew this in 28 in, a, in another biplane. Uh, the current trip's expected to take six weeks because the steerman and its airspeed and pi- patient pilot tolerance, you're looking at probably 50 450, 475 miles a day. 
And this is a long, long trip. So our hats off to uh, our hats off to the lady uh, flying in honor of the lady. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's not a particular anniversary, but it was something that uh, Tracy Curtis Taylor thought was past due to remember. And we wish her luck along the way. Yeah. Um, Curtis Taylor is quite the aviation uh, name. Is there any relationship there? Is, do you know the story behind this woman? This woman's past? I could not tell you. But you, you see what I'm getting at here, don't you? I, I, I thought about that the first time I read it. Her, her name and, is Curtis-Taylor. And, uh, um, there could be a lot. The only thing that's missing there is, you know, uh, Lycoming Cessna. Yeah, okay. Any other shout-outs? Jeb, you got anything? Not really. Not really. Okay. All right, then. I guess that's it. See, I thought you were going to say something. i got to find my piece of paper here. Where'd it go? There it is. Uh, wait a minute. It's here someplace. Okay, now I'm ready. <laughs> Jeb Burnside is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. You been working on anything fun, Jeb? What are you doing? Well, just the magazine? Just put, or? Just put the uh, December issue of Aviation Safety to bed last week. Um, working on a couple of projects for aviation. I'm sorry, for Avionics News, uh, a couple of product-related things, um, and uh, just enjoying life. Uh, enjoying, especially hearing from those um, who are, shall we say, north of here uh, at this time of year, <laughs> and uh, how the uh, uh, meteorological conditions around them are changing. Oh, cool. All right. Sorry, I was looking something up real quickly here. Uh, and where can people find you on the Internet? Oh, I don't know why anyone would want to do that. Uh, JEBurnside.com, which I need to desperately update. Um, um, AviationSafetyMagazine.com. Uh, AEA.net. Uh, Facebook and the Twitter machine. Very cool. Very cool. And uh, Dave Higdon is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. What have you been working on, David? Well, I've got a feature that's going to be headlining the next World Aircraft Sales about a company in uh, Dallas called the Mente Group, who specialized in helping you take your, uh, uh, your, your biz liner and updating it with new interior paint avionics systems, whatever it takes. Uh, and we're headlining this month's avionics news with a story about Mid-Continent Instruments' new True Blue Power Division and their new generation of uh, uh, lithium nanophosphate batteries for main ship use in, uh, in GA aircraft, which is kind of a first for that kind of airplane. Uh and I expect to be seeing it uh, make inroads with some of the OEMs here in the next couple of months. And if they're as smart as I believe they are, uh, moving on to the uh, uh, replacement market for existing GA airplanes uh, in the coming year or so. Uh, interesting technology it is. Cool. And where can people find you on the Internet? Avbuyer.com. Dot com is where you can find World Aircraft Sales, AEA.net for avionics news. Uh, 
Let's see. What else? If you're an NBAA member and get Business Aviation Insider, you can throw a dart and try to figure out which one of their stories is something that I've done. And uh, Otherwise, just do a Google search and uh, roll the dice. Never know what you might come up with. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Uh, let's see now. I've been, I'm, I'm mostly working on the forums. I'm trying to get the forums working again. I'm trying to uh, catch up on old episodes. We're running a little behind here on, on putting out episodes. Or darn it, we're going to get caught up one of these days. And uh, um, but uh, working on that. And uh, if you, uh, you you can always check out my uh, Kindle uh, uh, eBooks uh, at Amazon.com/author/jack-hodgson, or you can join my uh, my uh, my personal email uh, mailing list for information about the projects I'm working on. Uh, go to uh, jackhodgson.com or aroundthefield.net. There's a link there into my uh, into my mailing list sign-up sheet. Um, I want to actually break away here and refer not to something that I'm working on, but something that one of our cohorts is working on. James Winbrandt yes. uh, has been doing some cool things lately. Uh, one I just discovered about today, one discovered about a couple a week or so ago. Um, he has published a music video for the holidays. All right, it's kind of a funky, uh, a strange but 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 delightful uh, a holiday video that is called where is it here homeless this christmas by james winbrandt um and uh, it's extraordinary it's uh, it's it's quite a nice piece and uh, it's on youtube if you search for homeless this christmas or james winbrandt uh, on youtube you'll find it um we'll try and get a link in the show notes um it's doing pretty good i mean it's got like 10 11,000 views already which is not like you know millions but it's more than uh, you know 500 so uh, it's, it's not bad for a week yeah it's doing okay and uh, so you got to check out james is uh, James's music video. I also we got word today, and you just got to know James to know that this is. But um, James's cat has published a book of poetry. <laughs> of poetry, yes. Um, it's a Kindle e. I believe it's been available as a hardcover book or a paperback, a physical book for a while now. Um, it's now available through the, through as a Kindle book, an ebook, and so uh, you ought to uh, uh, search for. Oh, it's I think I think it's um, um, the Little Black Kitty. I mean, I mean, let me search this. Sweet one. Little Black, Black Kitty, Kitty, Volume One. Thank you very much. There we go. Um, search for that in the uh, Kindle ebook store and uh, check out uh, James's work and. Uh, uh, that's probably more than enough for now. Is Cat's not a bad poet? Yeah, <laughs> I, I downloaded the book, but I haven't actually I haven't actually opened it yet. So yeah. I'm going to take a look. S- at same it for me from the from the email announcing this earlier today. This quote: "This is the first collection of poetry, actually written by a cat, rather than a human writing in the guise of a cat." Sweet little go. black, sweet little black kitty is also the first non-human. To have an author's page on Amazon. <laughs> James, God bless James. He's in, in every other way a very perfectly <coughs> rational human being. Exactly. Exactly. But, but for this. So check out. Well, yeah. Check it out. I hadn't actually looked at the, at the, uh, at the author's you page. Know, little, I'm going to have to track little, that down. Little Black Kitty has got a lot of air time. Yeah. Well, yeah. Cats like to fly. I have I have lots of stories about cats flying. I could tell you things. Well, I mean, and if, and little and if black ever... kitty travels between New York and uh, San Augustine twice a year with James and the Mooney. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not surprised. Uh, I would not be surprised to see a book someday about little black kitty going to the pinch hitter course at an AOPA meeting. <laughs> Oh, so check say, I was going to say, as long as you know, um, James has the cat aboard, he doesn't really need a backup gyro system. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Just strap some toast to the back of the cat, and we're all set. 
<laughs> hey, big thanks to Jeff Ward for all his help with the show notes and in the forums and all the things he does for us in this podcast. Don't forget to check out the rest of the UCAP website. You can chat with us directly. Well, when the forums comes back online, you can chat with us directly in the, in the uh, Uncontrolled Airspace forums. You can see who's doing what on the new ratings webpage of fame and much, much more. All of that is at uncontrolledairspace.com. David, were you going to say something? There's only one way to live as long as we have, and that's to fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Remember that. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. What was he talking about? I forget. 